It's your radio sisters. I'm Rachel. I'm Bo. And I'm Ally Cat. Well, we're singers, songwriters, and sisters. And if you're curious about the creative process like we are, stick around right here. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories and interviews from the world's biggest stars and most creative minds. You'll take away artistic gems to fuel your own creative process and get that project started already. Or get the mojo to keep on going. That's right. It's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Hey guys, it's Allie with your radio sisters, Bo and Rachel, and we're so glad you're hanging out with us today here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, we never plan for these things to happen, but on this episode, there are three things the guests touch on. The importance of improv, the beauty of the first take, and the passion you need to have for that creative endeavor should be like a romance. Intrigued? Keep listening. You'll hear these themes pop up several times on this episode. Let's get to it, sisters. The Mulberry Lane Show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're gonna have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. Up first, time to make your reservations at Hotel California. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The writer of that iconic hit and former eagle, Don Felder, is here. Welcome to the Hotel California. Now, if you didn't know, Don Felder, formerly of the Eagles, was the guy who came up with the musical concept, theme, and sound of the mega-hit Hotel California. And today, Don's going to tell you about a brand new album he has out as a solo artist, American Rock and Roll. Now, this album is chock-full of collaborations that he's done with master guitarists and musicians. Think Joe Cetriani, Mick Fleetwood, and Peter Frampton. The classic players, guys. Hear all about these collabs and so much more today with part one with Don Felder. Okay, Rachel, who's next? Calling all My Little Pony fans, you're going to hear from the cutest My Little Pony. Tara Strong is the voice of Twilight Sparkle. And she's going to talk about the last season of My Little Pony airing now on Discovery Family. Tara's also going to give you some tips and tricks if you're thinking of a career in the voice talent field or really any artistic career. Allie? Get ready for comedian, artist, and musician with a passion for making people laugh. It's Matt Geiler. Now, Matt Geiler is a Midwest guy who's done some major things. He's done performances on America's Got Talent, the comedy show, and you may know him as the Dancing Pumpkin Man. Sometimes talent is right in your backyard and you didn't even know about it. We heard about Matt several weeks ago on the show when Wayne Brady was a guest. So Matt is one of Wayne's favorite people, and we're going to talk about all sorts of things, including Matt's indie pop band, Frederick Julius, and they have an album release party on May 31st in Benson at the B-Side. Their latest album is Fixers and Elixirs, and these sisters are digging the harmonies on this album. Yes, we are. All right, sisters, who's bringing up the caboose? Well, of course, you've heard the phrase landslide. How about lamb slide? <laughs> it's a really adorable kids book you're going to have to get your hands on. Joining your weekend is the author. Her name is Anne Patchett and the illustrator Robin Price Glasser. They're going to share the secrets of how they work together and how to keep sparking your own creative life. This creative duo have got it figured out. All right. Well, before we go to break, Allie, this week you didn't have a lamb slide. You kind of had a mom slide. I did. So have you ever tried to teach your kids a lesson and said it so emphatically, and then it comes right back around to haunt you? (laughs) I know the feeling. So earlier in the week, my brakes had gone out, so I was driving my husband's Jeep. We had just gone through a McDonald's, and we had the food, and in my car, I let my kids eat food, but in Dave's car, he doesn't like that. 
Oh, same with Scott. Okay, so Clover asked for her fries and her sandwich, and I was like, hey guys, we're five minutes away from home. Dad doesn't like it when we eat in his car. Just wait five minutes. And they were kind of, you know, complaining and grumbling and said, but we're hungry. And I said, you guys, you can wait five minutes. And then wouldn't you know it, I turned the corner right then, and the drink carrier that contained a coffee, a water, a shake, and a sundae completely flipped over upside oh. down. <laughs> I totally turned the car into a huge mess. So after the first reaction of, oh no, my kids totally started laughing and they were like, mom, don't get dad's car all messy. Don't get dad's car all messy. And I was like, why do I even try? <laughs> well, I'm sitting over here shaking my head because I totally get that. And I'm sure any mom listening is shaking their head right along with me. Okay, well, we're going to be shaking things up a little bit here with Don Felder, a former member of the Eagles, right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Stay in your creative lane. This segment is brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology, advanced comprehensive medical, surgical, and cosmetic dermatologic care. BraddockFinnegan.com. Find the harmony right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I'm Rachel, along with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. Welcome back. Well, if you love yourself some good rock and roll, gotta check out the new album from Don Felder called American Rock and Roll. This former guitarist for the Eagles, who co-wrote the mega-hit Hotel California, is releasing his first solo album in seven years, and he's here right now to tell you all about it. Welcome Welcome to the show, Don Felder. <laughs> I love that. I wish every interview started out with people <laughs> singing me onto the air. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. We're so honored to have you on our show. Oh, it's great to be back. I know we talked a few years back, and it's always nice to be back talking to the radio station in the Midwest. Love Aww. it. Good. So, okay, so now this album, it looks and feels like it was one big studio rock and roll party. So... <laughs> You hit the nail on the head. You know, the, okay. the, my last record that I did in 2012, I played everything on it. Well, not bass and drums and keyboards, but all the guitar parts. Uh, I played electric guitar, slide guitar, acoustic guitar, nylon string guitar. It came out really well. I was very proud of it. It was called The Road to Forever. This time I really loved and wanted to have the excitement of sitting across from somebody like Joe Satriani or Richie Sambora or some other great guitar players, Peter Frampton, and going toe-to-toe with them and wow. having that momentary, spontaneous excitement of writing stuff together. It was just really a great, fun experience to sit around and work with these guys that I've known for a long time. Just had a, a great time putting these things together with a bunch of friends. Well, what mm. I love about that is so many times when people collaborate today, they'll send the tracks and do it in studios in different parts of the country. But you guys actually got together. You had that in-the-moment kind of collaboration. There were a couple of instances of what you just described, like okay. Mick Fleetwood was in Hawaii, and okay. I had the choice of getting on a plane and flying to Hawaii mm -hmm. and spending a couple of days down there, but I decided not to for fear that I wouldn't ever come back. <laughs> <laughs> that is a real fear. <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe it's safer if I just send him the stems, the okay. tracks, and he's got his drum set up in a studio, and literally two days later we had him two or three, four different takes sent back to us, and we got to put it together and edit it how we wanted it. Okay. Chad Smith was actually in my studio with me, who played on American Rock and Roll as well, and I had to literally wear earplugs 
in the other end of my home because he plays so <laughs> loud. He's really? like a five thousand pound gorilla when he plays drums. Wow. It's unbelievable. But I went out to Sambora's studio. We played there together with uh-huh. Orianti. Flew to Nashville and saw Frampton there and uh, had him play on this song called The Way Things Have to Be. Alec Leipzig lives in Canada. He's a guitar player for Rush. Knowing that Rush was pretty much on hold, if not mm-hmm. completely defunct, I know he was either walking around every day on a golf course wishing that he could play on something. So I contacted him and he said, oh, I'd love to. Send me the stems. Literally a couple of days later, he sent me back uh, his version. So I went in and re-edited some of his endings made some room for me to answer. Okay. And then on the very end, he played this one lick, and I harmonized with it. So, you know, it, it was a real treat to have some of these guests on board. That was really the only way to get it done, was uh, different countries, different uh, islands, right? stuff like that. <laughs> right? you got to get them as you can get them, you know? Yeah. This is a little off-the-wall question, but because your previous album was just you playing most everything, and then going into this one, which is a lot of guest artists, is your safe spot perhaps doing things yourself and did you have to be like okay almost like make yourself do the don't m- like work safe. collaboration i don't like safe you, you uh, don't I like safe. anything in new york when i was starving on the streets there in 68 and 69 okay was that i learned how to improvise i watched jazz guys miles davis and hubert laws freddie herbert these guys walk out on stage they don't have anything made up and written out and memorized they just walk up and Okay. So that was one skill I really wanted to be able to develop, and I did. So uh-huh. I could walk into the studio and improvise a solo, make up a thing, or throw myself into that situation where I have to be creatively motivated on the spot is great territory for me. It's like a stand-up comedian that knows how right. to like improv, you know, right. and just go off on something. So it's a great musical skill to develop, and I thank God I paid my dues uh, as right. hard as it was for a couple of years starving in New York. I did come out of there with that skill. So it feels really fun for me to throw myself out of the safe spot and into those environments. So you welcomed that. I love it. Okay. (laughs) Guitarist, former Eagle, and songwriter of the iconic song Hotel California, Don Felder here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I read where you also found a lot of inspiration for melodic horn players. So speak to that a little bit and how that did allow you to open up creatively. Uh, Most guitar players want to pick up a guitar and play a thousand notes a minute. There's no melody to it. It's really great and amazing technical skills, but it's unmusical. I don't know if it was Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Edison or somebody said, if you want somebody to remember something, set it to a simple tune. And if you look at two-year-olds that are growing up, they can sing the alphabet song and know the sequence of the alphabet before they even know what a letter looks like. So if you phrase simply enough and melodically enough, people can remember it. They can sing along with it. Horn players, Miles Davis. I drove up to New York City when I was 17, I think, or 18 to see Miles Davis play at the bottom of the Village Gate. His band's on stage. Herbie Hancock playing piano, Ron Quarter playing bass, uh, Tony Williams, who's 17 years old, playing wow. with Miles Davis. Just amazing. This band's on stage, and they're just playing and going, and Miles is sitting over off the side of the stage at a table, right? Mm-hmm. And he waits about three minutes, then he slowly picks up his horn, walks up the side of the stage, and he stands in the middle of the stage with his back to the audience. <laughs> and people are just hanging. Uh all waiting with bated breath to hear his first few notes. He plays three notes. 
talking about right now is all about phrasing so how do you translate that to the guitar it just kind of flows out of me that way okay. honestly i'd sit and i try to get out of my way and let whatever is going to come out of me just come through me and usually the first or second time that something comes through there's a moment of inspiration there's a moment of like oh my gosh you know yeah. and it's that excitement and that kind of glorious feeling of something coming out of you. Mm -hmm. And those have the most amount of energy and expression and just emotion, in my opinion. And then if you want to go back and take some of that and re-perform it several times until you make it perfect, usually it gets very perfect, but in getting perfect, it loses right. a lot of that just raw first-time emotion. It's like your first kiss with a lover. Yeah. It's just so deep and so passionate. Yet, you know, when you're kissing, okay, honey, I'll see you tomorrow night, good night, you know, it's right. like a different kind of thing when you do it too much. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good analogy. That's the first time I've heard that analogy. The first time it comes out to me is the most inspired and most creative and the energy and the gracefulness that's in that first gush of emotional creativity is, to me, the best part of it. Yep. How quickly do you judge then which takes are the best? almost do like a loop section where I record and go back and play it again and record and okay. just let different stuff come through. And then, you know, it might be the first half of the first time and it might be the middle part of the third time and it might be the very <laughs> ending of the 16th time. But I give myself enough opportunity to let new ideas come out instead of doing one and trying to perfect that. Okay. And then you can put stuff together that has those little moments of brilliance with less human flaw in it, yes. but still has that excitement of the creativity of the moment. Yeah. Right. So now you would be a guitarist, guitarist, because so many other guitarists rave about your ability to come up with riffs and all of that. How have you achieved the top of the pile status? I appreciate your kind words. I'm flattered by those thoughts, but I've just had this obsession and this unbelievable passionate romance with music itself since okay. I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And it's been my one lover that's never betrayed me, always been there, brought me the largest amount of love and joy in my life next to my children, uh, above and beyond anything else. All the accolades and honors and Grammys and platinum records, all that stuff is lovely and it's very well appreciated. But the joy and the fulfillment that I get from playing music is really why I do it. It's not the money, it's not the cars, it's not the hotels, you know, it's none mm -hmm. of that. See, the beauty of being a multifaceted artist is that if you can write, 
sing, and play, you can create your own world. I've tried to develop all three skills in myself. Some of them are stronger than others, obviously, but where we're weak, we just go to the gym more often and work on that. <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. And eventually, you know, it'll get strong. Mm -hmm. To me, I really appreciate that kind of triple threat. Not only in the studio to be able to walk in and create just out of darkness and thin air, nothing. By the end of the day, you can hit play and go, that's fun. I love that. Yeah. That guitar lick is great. I'm excited. About, oh, when those harmonies come in in the chorus, all the vocals. Yes, I like that, you know. Uh, or walking out on stage in front of, you know, 3, 10, 15, 20,000 people and feeling the love at the moment that you play something. Right. And people know specifically what the song is. They know every lyric. They know the solos. Mm -hmm. You can't go out on the end of Hotel California and just start jamming a solo. You have to play it exactly right. yeah. like the record. There are people who go, what is he doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's legendary guitarist and former member of the Eagles, Don Felder. He'll be back next weekend for part two of this in-depth interview. Make sure you check out his brand new album, American Rock and Roll. When we come back, you're going to hang out with one of the top voice actors of our time, Tara Strong, who voices many of your favorite cartoon characters, including Twilight Sparkles of My Little Pony, up next right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Welcome to the Hotel California. right here for your week. I'm Bo, here with my sisters, Rachel and Allie, the Mulberry Lane Show. Well, guys, it's time to catch up with, well, here's just a partial list. Bubbles in the Powerpuff Girls, Raven in Teen Titans, Harley Quinn, Mary Jane Watson, Batgirl, and most importantly, Twilight Sparkle from My Little Pony. Yes, Emmy-nominated voice actress Tara Strong, who voices all these characters and more, returns to your weekend right now. Now, she's going to chat the final season of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, airing on Discovery Family, and give you guys some insight into the world of voiceover acting. Welcome, welcome back to the show, Tara Strong. Hi, guys. Hey, Tara. Okay, it's so good to have you back on the show. So this is the final season of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. First of all, tell us what happens in this season and how this is for you closing out this chapter of being Twilight Sparkle. So the 200th episode is going to be on Discovery Go. It's about Twilight and her brother Shining Armor finally getting through a very big sibling rivalry. It's a pretty great adventure. And when I talk to fans at conventions and they ask me if I'm sad, I ask if they're sad. And they say, yeah, they're sad, but also that it's ending on such a good note and they've had such a good run and they've fallen in love with these characters. Yeah, so now as a voiceover actress, how do you develop distinct voices for each of these characters? Well, when you first get an audition, they'll give you a drawing of the character and a brief character description, and then you'll get sides, which is a portion of the script, and then you as the voice actor have to try and imagine what production will want that character to sound like. Okay. And I do all my first auditions in my home studio so I can make sure it's absolutely perfect and how I want it. If you get a call back, you get to meet the production staff, and then once you're there, they can say, well, we really like this take or that take. I'll often give them a couple different choices. And then they'll say, we just want it a little bit older, a little bit younger, or now she's got braces, or she's oh, from wow. Ireland or she's a boy <laughs> and you have to kind of be prepared to be their putty and play around and give them all these different options often the voice is something that they didn't even have in mind like with uh, Teen Titans uh -huh. 
I knew that she was sort of this tragic teen character, and I was already voicing Batgirl and Kylie from Extreme Ghostbusters and Sharina Wicked from Detention and Fillmore. And so I was thinking, like, how do I differentiate Raven? And I wasn't even sure after the audition. I walked out and I said to the director, Andrea Romano, can I try one more thing? And I just had this last-minute idea to do this sort of weird little guttural role every time she spoke. Yeah. And that, you know, is what booked the part. So you definitely okay. have to be open and organic. And, and so flexible. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point in your career did you implement a home studio and how did that, do you think, impact your career going forward? I really like to self-direct and I would feel bad if there were other actors waiting. A lot of people still like to go in and do it and get directed, but because I'm such a perfectionist, I often sit there and do it a few different times and then I edit it and then I don't send it until I'm really happy with it. Sometimes you have to walk away because if I'm doing it over and over and it's not quite right, sometimes I'll walk away from it and then hit it the next day. Right. And at some point I'll listen back and say, you know what, I really like that first take. You know what, I was just (laughs) going to ask that because in singing, a lot of times the first take surprisingly ends up being the one that people use quite a bit. If you're just tuning in here on the Mulberry Lane Show, you're listening to voice actor Tara Strong voicing the character of My Little Pony, Twilight Sparkle. When you do get in the studio, are all the actors there and do you do it all together most of the time? That's the most fun because, you know, if an actor delivers a line in an unusual way, then you're going to react in an unusual way. You know, if the Uh line is, let's get out of here, and someone goes, let's get out of here, you might go, okay. (laughs) It's really fun to play off the other actors. When you have a script in front of you, do you ever mark it up, like, you know, how this character might say the O's or how you exaggerate certain things? Go up on the end, go down. Once you're on a series, it sort of becomes organic. Okay. But in the audition process, when I'm going to a callback, I'll mark up my script and put musicality on them, like to remember that I'm going up on an inflection on this word, and I want to really make this one sound surprised or happy or scared so that when you're in the moment, you're remembering things. Personally, I do mark up my script. You know, some people don't. It's a really personal process, but I do Mm -hmm. definitely mark up my script. Well, being that you said you're a perfectionist, I figured that might be part of it. If someone is listening and is interested, in you know getting into voiceover work what qualities do you think are essential for what you do take as many acting classes as you can scene study and improv and singing lessons are always great because as you guys know it's a muscle you're learning how to bring these characters to life just with your voice so you have to really imagine all these moments and if you don't have an acting background to tap into it's going to be impossible gotcha we need to hear the voice of twilight sparkle versus raven would say everybody needs to tune in to Discovery Go and watch the 200th episode of My Little Pony. And Raven would say, whatever, just go eat some waffles. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to add right here that my daughter is a big My Little Pony fan. And when I told her oh. that we were interviewing you today, she said, how does she know just what Twilight Sparkle sounds like? And I thought that is like the ultimate compliment because in her head there is already a voice and you totally nailed it. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, she recognizes that she's a person. She's an entity. Yes, exactly. So cute. Now, is there any like really crazy thing that has happened to you where you're just like, I can't believe this is my life. This is so crazy. Yes, that happens all the time. Okay. <laughs> you know, at cons, you get to meet these people whose lives you touch on such an important level. You know, I met this girl who was talking to me a lot. She was dressed as 
Raven and her mom was crying and I went over to talk to her and she said that her daughter was autistic and hadn't spoken in five years and when she heard I was coming she didn't shut up <laughs> I was like wow, wow that's uh, incredible and wow. I don't know if you follow me on social but recently there was a boy who loves all the Batman world that he was particularly drawn to my Harley and it surprised his mom a little because he was born deaf uh-huh. and he's never heard anything so I signed to him and I asked him if he could feel the vibrations of the character and he said yes so I took his hand and I put it on my throat and I did Harley for him and his reaction so sweet if you check out my Twitter you can scroll down and find it it's such a beautiful moment so it's nice to give back to the fans yes we're really nothing without our fans right that's great and is your Twitter Tara Strong yep it's just at Tara Strong okay we want to thank you for joining the show it's always fun to catch up with you and you have to uh, leave us with a Harley Quinnism okay you guys I hope you all have a great day and none of you cute chicks talk to Mr. J alright he's my (laughs) button Love it, Tara. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks, guys. Take care. Voiceover actor Tara Strong here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Make sure you check out My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, airing now on Discovery Family. When we come back, you're going to hang out with artist, comedian, and singer-songwriter Matt Geiler. He's got a show coming up that you're not going to want to miss. Hear all about it next, right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. More creative inspiration right after this. Each one of us has something special that makes us different. Your creative fueling station, the Mulberry Lane Show. Glad you're here with us. I'm Bo, here with my sisters, Rachel and Allie. Well, you guys may know him as the internet famous meme, the dancing pumpkin man, that landed him on America's Got Talent. But Omaha-based Matt Geiler is a multi-dimensional artist doing music, comedy, improv, illustration, writing, and animation. A true creative in every sense of the word. Well, he's pulling up a chair right now to tell you all about the new music from his lo-fi indie pop band, Frederick Julius. Now, the album is called Fixers and Elixirs and is releasing May 31st with an all-out party at the B-Side in Benson. Welcome, welcome to the show, Matt Geiler. (laughs) Thank you. That's the best welcome I have ever had. Yay! Oh, we love to hear that. And it's good to finally have you on. So we learned about you through Wayne Brady, when Wayne Brady was on the show. You are one of his favorite artists and people. Yeah, because most of my comedy work is musical improv, and he's kind of at the yeah. top of the mountain as far as that. I ended up working on a musical improv, hip-hop, freestyle version of Who's Line, and was okay. cast in that. Gotcha. And so... And then that led to doing some touring with him and just kind of kindred spirits, I guess. Yes, I can see that. You're also known for your ability to freestyle and make up songs, you know, from audience suggestions and all that. So is it more a spirit of fearlessness or is it more just a really, really quick brain? Well, I think it's both. I think it's more just you're comfortable with the feeling of falling. (laughs) Um, I <laughs> can't <laughs> like, say that too many people would be comfortable with that, but it's probably really what it's like. This is probably where it comes from. I grew up on a farm outside of Waverly, Nebraska, okay. and my brother and I used to harmonize in the bathroom of the farmhouse because there was tile in there, so it was like a nice natural Oh, reverb. yeah, that always sounds so awesome. We're like, we're going to be the Beach Boys, and we're going to make records, but I was always in a hurry and my brother's like kind of the real musician who like studied and took piano lessons and all that. And I was just like, let's make this record now. He's like, you have not written down words to the song. <laughs> and I'm like, we only have five minutes. Let's go. I've been used to making up things on the fly 
in a musical way for uh-huh. a really long time. Okay, so now you mentioned harmonies because you stack those harmonies. And you know what? I, I lo- just have to say that I love this new album. Oh, I can tell you. that Beach Boys influence. It sounds great. Thank you so much. That yeah. means a lot coming from you because I know you guys are like harmony aficionados. <laughs> too. Aww, thank you. Well, you do it well. Well, it's hard to do it all by yourself. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do is just stand alone in a studio and layer my own voice on top of itself. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about the making of Fixers and Elixirs. Where did you record? And you brought in some cool people. Yeah, we recorded it in Los Angeles at a place called Moose Cat Studios, which is in Mid-City. It's a really cool boutique, kind of vintage place. The board okay. over there was once at Stacked Records, so it has a lot of history. Cool. Mike Post produced it. And he was phenomenal, too. He actually hunted me down on Instagram. I put out a five-song EP called Autumn and Elliot, like April of 2017, and he found it and listened to it, and he hit me up on Instagram. He's like, I love the Frederick Julius EP. Uh You know, I'd love to work on an album with you. And I was like, you're literally the first human being who has contacted me about this music and I did not coerce them or approach them first. Like, <laughs> That's And so then cool. I went to uh, go into the studio. We just discovered we had a, a love of the same stuff, like I'm... old Beach Boys records. We're like huge fans of the zombies, which was crazy, because like I walked into his studio, and there's a big framed, like an original test pressing of the zombies 1969 record odyssey and oracle right then i was like okay we'll be fine working together oh you knew it if you're just joining us you're listening to matt geiler here on the mulberry lane show talking all about fixers and elixirs and the record release party may 31st at the b-side in benson so now improv is such a major skill of yours so talk about how important that has been in what you do well for me improvisation is the baseline of everything regardless of what avenue the creative expression is happening i will tell you this we all are improvisers the most simple version of which is the conversation we're having right now we're in the creative process there's a moment of spontaneity i think at the beginning of everything even mm-hmm. if it's like i'm facing the blank page and i'm about to draw it becomes very structured as i go on but there's an element of jumping and there's an element of I don't know how this is going to turn out when I put the pencil to the paper. There's always a moment of spontaneity that's there. Improvisation is really about trusting those first firings of those creative neurons instead of saying, ah, no, that might not be a good idea. Trusting them and seeing where that goes and what that produces. Honestly, that's a really good life skill to learn to trust those instincts in yourself. Now for this album, when you wrote these songs, do you tend to go with your first instinct in writing the songs? I tend to err on the side of like first thought, best thought. Uh huh. I think it's cool what burbles out. I love the idea that you can be thinking about something universal like love or heartbreak. I like it when it comes out like a kind of a jumbled impressionistic painting and maybe people have to do some thinking to figure out what that is. Some digging. Yeah, and it gives a feeling instead of, you know, telling it. Showing it rather than telling it. Well, we're going to leave it right there for now. You're going to hear more from Matt Geiler next weekend for part two of this creative chat. In the meantime, check out Fixers and Elixirs and the release party May 31st at the B-Side in Benson. When we come back, you're going to hang out with an author and an illustrator. It's all about the lamb slide here on the Mulberry Lane Show. The truth, but there is nothing left.
Dr. Mary Finnegan of Braddock Finnegan Dermatology is here to tell you about Aqua Gold. So Aqua Gold is a small vial that has small stainless steel needles that are finer than a human hair in which we can leave product in the surface of the skin. The procedure takes about 15 minutes for the whole face. It gives a very dewy look, an airbrushed look. There's mild redness, otherwise no downtime at all. Aqua Gold at Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. That's BraddockFinnegan.com. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show, where we come together over music and the arts. This is Allie, along with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. Thanks for being here. Well, best-selling award-winning author Anne Patchett has teamed up with award-winning illustrator Robin Price Glasser for their new kids' book, Lambslide. Now, they're both here to tell you all about this adorable book for your little ones. Welcome, welcome to the show, Anne and Robin. Hi. We're excited to be here. (laughs) Okay, this is such an adorable book. So first off, Anne, talk about what actually inspired this idea. Okay, well, the story is about little Nicolette Farmer, who is part of the Farmer family, and she decides to run for class president, and her mother says, oh, you're going to win by a landslide, and there's some (laughs) lambs sitting around, and they think that the mother farmer has said lambslide, then they want to know where the lambslide is, and they decide they have to have one, so they petition all the other animals on the farm to get behind the idea of a lambslide, and then they have a vote, they win by a landslide, and they build them a landslide, and the original inspiration came from Connor Lamb winning the 17th Congressional District in Pennsylvania, and there was a picture in the New York Times, someone holding up a poster board, it said landslide, and I was like, oh man, everybody's gonna be writing a children's book called Landslide. So I'm gonna get mine in first, ran upstairs, sent it to my pal Robin, and the rest is history. Okay, so Robin, so that's how you heard about the book. It, it was actually about the fifth or sixth of a series of books that Anne wrote. Here's the story of how I met okay. Anne. I just got off 15 years of doing a big series. I did 80 books in the Fancy Nancy book yes. series. Uh-huh. I was doing the last book tour on that. I had been to Nashville, Tennessee about seven times, been at Parnassus Books, that is a bookstore that Anne co-owns, and she was never there any of the other times, and she happened to walk in the day I was there, and it was just kismet. I just fell madly in love with her immediately. Anne is a very famous adult novelist, and I had the nerve to say, oh my gosh, have you ever thought of writing a children's book? And she said, no. (laughs) But she said, I've always had this one idea, and she told it to me. I cracked up, and I said, you've really got to write that down. Turns out she's an absolute savant, and she's able to do it in just a few words, which you need to do. And that's the uh, hardest thing, you know, to get the meat of the story in few simple words. She just hears the word lampside, and it just triggers the whole idea. And, you know, the thing is, I write op-eds, like for the New York Times and the Washington Post. They're always 750 words. I'm really, really good at expressing all of my opinions in 750 words. Okay. So she was absolutely a natural for this. 
Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to writer Ann Patchett and illustrator Robin Price Glasser talking about their recent collab, children's book, Lambslide, here on the Mulberry Lane Show. And before you had your very first best-selling book, you know, it seems like such a far-off goal. So after you achieved that, did it become easier to create a best-selling book, or is it always difficult? You know, nobody sets out to get a best-selling book. I don't think if you're writing literary fiction, it hits or it doesn't. And when you've had one book that's a bestseller, what you get is a big audience. And so then those people tend to come back if you do a good job the next time. But there's absolutely no formula for it. And you would drive yourself crazy if you sat down and said, I'm now going to write a best-selling book, unless you were Nora Roberts, in which case it's like, I'm going to brush my teeth, I'm going to write a best-selling book, and then I'm going to take my dog for a walk. (laughs) So Robin, now, the Fancy Nancy series, how long were you on that project? And you said it's over. So is that hard for you to let go of that? Well, it maybe would have been. Uh, What happened was we did 80 books in 15 years, and then Disney came in and bought the rights, and now it's an animated TV series. So it's still living on in Disney World. And you can actually go to Disneyland and cuddle Fancy Nancy. Yes, that just started. And so that's still going on. I'm just not drawing the books anymore. But what was so beautiful for me is to meet Anne right at the end of that whole thing and then starting up with a whole new series. I'm already drawing the second book in this series okay. called Escape Goat <laughs> that Anne wrote. And it's right, like how is it possible that nobody has written a book called Escape, Escape Goat? Goat? It's right. crazy. Well, it's like it was perfect timing because, you know, one door oh, closed totally. and another yeah. one opened. So now this show is to help the listener go after their creative passion. What advice would you give to the person with the creative side hustle where life gets chaotic and all the responsibilities to keep that creativity alive? And Ooh, I have great advice, and I'm taking this directly from my pal Elizabeth Gilbert okay. and her book Big Magic. Okay. And people say all the time, I don't have any time. You know, I've got right. a job, I've got kids, I've got a marriage, I don't have any time. And Liz always says, if you were having an affair, you would find 15 minutes, right? <laughs> Like, if you were having a mad, passionate affair, you would find 15 minutes, like, in a stairwell and grab that time, and nothing could take you away from it. And that's what your art should be. It should be your mad, passionate affair that no matter what, you're not trying to find time for it. Like, you're trying to tear yourself away. You are so magnetically drawn to your art. I love that. Well, a perfect place to end. We want to thank both of you ladies for joining the show. This has been an awesome interview. Well, thank you. And the next time you and your sisters are in Nashville, come by and sing in Parnassus. We'd love to hear you. Oh my gosh, that would be so fun. All right. Thank Thank you. That's Ann Patchett and Robin Price Glasser here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Make sure you check out the brand new children's book, Lambslide. Okay, guys, now we've come to our favorite part of the show, show notes. Now, show notes is where we share with you what we think are the best pieces of advice for you to take from each of the guests into your week. On this episode, you first heard from Don Felder, formerly of the Eagles, and his advice for you is get rid of that safe spot. He watched and studied jazz guys and the beauty of improv, and he said this allows you to be creatively motivated on the spot. 
So perhaps the next skill for you to learn is to take a chance and get rid of that safety zone. Living dangerously. <laughs> next piece of advice, hit us up, Rachel. All right, well, then you heard from Tara Strong, famed voiceover artist. Her advice is for you perfectionists. Sometimes you just have to walk away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, she invested in a home studio to be able to spend the time she needs to get things the way she wants. But she says, always remember to take a break to get that perspective. That speaks right to my heart. (laughs) We know, Allie, you're the perfectionist. I wish I could be. Okay, sisters, who's next? Well, the next piece of advice came from improv artist, comedian, and musician Matt Geiler with the band Frederick Julius. He said, improvisation is the baseline of everything. Even conversation is a form of improv. It's all about trusting those first firings of those creative neurons. And if you're a writer, you might not want to throw out those first thoughts because Matt says, often, first thoughts our best thoughts. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Final piece of advice for the show, Rachel Phillison. All right, I love this. So if you're struggling with finding time for your creative passion, take what author Anne Petchett had to say. Now she says, all too often with such busy lives, we say we don't have time. But if you were having a mad, passionate affair, you would find time. So you need to apply that kind of passion to your art and you will find the time. Exactly. And just for clarification, your radio sisters are not recommending an affair. (laughs) We're recommending an affair with your art. Yes. Love it. But you know, that might get you in just as much trouble. (laughs) Perhaps. Well, we're going to continue our creative affair with this radio show. Same time, same place next weekend. Yep. We'll meet you right here on the sister couch next weekend. (laughs) I think it's time for us to go. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie. Don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap.